So good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this Triangles webinar for Monday, August the 21st, 2023. I hope that everyone can hear me, and please um, send me a message um, if you can't hear me. So let's um, begin. There are, well, there are now 100 of us, 102 of us, I see. So let's begin all together with a moment of absolute silence, and we'll follow this by using together the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. My name is Steve Nation and I'm very happy to be your host today. As most of you know, these regular weekly Triangles webinars have two major goals. And our idea is basically to strengthen the planetary network. First goal is to introduce new people to triangles and hopefully stimulate the formation of new triangles. So I really hope that there might be some newcomers, newbies here in the amongst our group today, and you're very welcome. And the second idea of these webinars is that they'll provide a space where existing triangles members can join in a meditative visualization in support of the triangles work. And then we can hear from different members who share ideas about world service through the power of thought, because this is a network of incredible diversity and very, very, very rich thought. Today's broadcast is focusing on the theme in the beginning. And we're very fortunate to have a long-term Triangles worker and a student of the Ages Wisdom, Catherine Cruz, with us today. Catherine will be reflecting on insights from the creation stories of the Abrahamic religious traditions and their relevance to our Triangles work. Drawing on Aramaic understandings of these sacred scriptures, Dr. Cruz is a retired clinical psychologist a student of the Aegis wisdom and the Abrahamic wisdom traditions. But before we hear from Catherine, I wanted to share a brief introduction to triangles for newcomers and to offer some thoughts, just really a shining a light on the universal spirit that's at the heart of triangles. For it's a practice that can be used by all who are seeking to serve humanity through the power of thought, prayer and meditation. And if we really think about it, that's a large community of people today. The practice of triangles is really very simple and straightforward. Three people who agree to work in this way make a commitment to spend a few minutes every day to link in thought and imagine themselves to be a triangle of light and goodwill, linking up soul to soul to form a triangle through which lighted energies of divinity can flow. Every triangle, every group of three, is unique 
Each has its own qualities and characteristics. Yet each triangle is also part of the global network or the grid of triangles. And it's an identification with this global net of purposeful relationships that participants complete the exercise by using together the great invocation, invoking higher energies of light, love, and spiritual purpose. As a result of decades of practice, the net of triangles has now become a living carrier of what we can think of as radiant soul energies. It's so much greater than the sum of its parts, so much greater than the sum of every individual triangle. Through its presence and through the presence of other similarly motivated networks of invocation, prayer and meditation, the energies pulsating through the net of triangles nourish and nurture all of the lighted goodwill that already exists in abundance in the mind, the heart, and the creative activity of the world of the human. Essentially, we can think of the network grounded as, as it is in the ancient symbol of the triangle as a significant structure playing a vital role in the etheric or energetic body of humanity. You can find information about how to form a triangle on the website um, www.triangles.org. And this includes a space where you can seek out potential triangle partners if you don't have anyone you know who you might ask. You can also invite others to join you in a triangle in the chat box on the webinar today. This often happens on these webinars and it's always a joy to see a number of new triangles being formed. One of the joys of being part of the triangles network at this time in human history is that the environment of thought amongst deeper spiritual thinkers today is so much more inclusive, universal and intuitive than it has probably ever been in human history. And this is something that we can, I think, be especially grateful for, to be incarnated right now. What it means is that amongst all the different cosmological and philosophical traditions, conditioning the way people think about the world of the sacred and its relation with the worlds of time and space. And within, amongst this community of all these peoples, a vast community of thinkers who truly understand the spirit of oneness at the heart of their own beliefs and of the beliefs of countless others who follow different teachings, different teachers, and different faiths. This sense of one life and one humanity is today a profound part of the higher reaches of human consciousness. So as triangles workers today, we're easily able to align with all true spiritual workers of all faiths, as in our groups of three, we invoke light, love and spiritual purpose into the processes of transformation, initiation and development taking place in human consciousness under the wise and loving guidance of the Christ and of all the avatars and ancestors honored by all spiritual traditions. It is as if 
the network, along with other movements in prayer and meditation for world service, exists within and acts in sympathetic vibration with all points of light within the vast energetic world of human thought, creativity, sacrifice, and love. And that's quite something to contemplate, especially when the recognition of the universality of all true spiritual workers work and all true spiritual workers is itself a relatively new phenomena in the world of human consciousness. So with those thoughts, let's move now into our meditation. And this will be followed by a presentation from Catherine Cruz. And then there'll be time for discussion and reflection together. Just a little warning that it, if we do possibly go a little bit over four, over the full hour, um, we'll ensure that we close five minutes. So in Eastern time, that'll be, we'll finish by 4.05, the absolute latest. But hopefully we'll finish by four. So, we focus ourselves as a group on the mental plane. Stand at the center of the two arms of the cross the vertical arm taking us up into the higher worlds and down to the lower worlds and the horizontal arm reaching out in service and link in thought as a soul as a point of love and light link with all people throughout the world working with this triangles meditation group. In the center of all love I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart through my group and throughout the world. Visualization. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light.
this triangle is an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love, underlying and infusing the network. And now lift your consciousness to the world teacher, the one who stands at the heart of love, at the center of the spiritual hierarchy, and who also stands at the heart of each and every triangle. Hold the group mind open and receptive to this inpouring energy of love. Now visualize the energies of love and light and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network, flowing from point to point, flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of all people everywhere. Imagine that these energies are unifying and eliminating divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, and in the process, establishing right human relationships.
Now let's use together the mantra of unification in its adapted version. The souls of all are one and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the entire planet alight aflame with triangles and see new triangles being formed everywhere. And now we will work together with the great invocation. And as you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and, the hum and humanity. And as a channel through which light, love and divine purpose flows into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center, 
where the will of God is known. Let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the centre, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So, thank you everybody. Welcome. Catherine, can you unmute yourself, please? I did, thank you. Wow, beautiful. So we look forward to hearing from you. Okay. <clears throat> Are we ready? Shall I begin? Yeah, thanks, Catherine. Yes. Right. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful meditation, Steve. It's It's a perfect setting for our consideration of in the beginning. So in the sacred scriptures of the world, there are many stories of creation. Some of the most familiar are the seven-day cosmic creation story and the Garden of Eden story reported in, the, in Genesis. And then in Proverbs, there's a story of holy wisdom being present with the Holy One, dancing and playing at the birth of the cosmos. And in Job and Ezekiel, there's yet another creation story in which archetypal humanity tries to steal wisdom for itself. There's a beautiful creation story in the Quran of Allah reaching deeply into the first human and drawing out all future descendants, asking, am I not your source and master? Humanity's ascent sealed an agreement to willingly take on the divine image in consciousness and surrender. All these stories were first oral tradition in the ancient Middle East, retellings of creation that were not considered to be objective historical facts, but living realities. In the beginning affirms 
that one sacred moment, which includes now, creation is happening. In the events of our time, it seems much easier to see disorder and disintegration than it is to see signs of beginning. But this turmoil has been foretold. Ancient texts tell of a time of rending when the mountains which have sheltered fall from their high places and the voices of men are lost in the crash and thunder of the fall. The Gospel of Matthew predicts a time of great distress such as until now, since the world began, there never has been, nor ever will be again. In both these teachings, destruction precedes a promised transition, anew in the beginning, a new telling of Genesis, one in which we, humanity, are now participating. Our language shapes our thoughts and creates our worldview. As Western speakers, we experience time and space and all with them, within them as objective reality. Perhaps you're familiar with Cynthia Bourgeau's story of her grandchildren watching Sesame Street and practicing over and over. How is one of these things not like the other? The cultural focus on differences is the foundation of separateness, and it's hardwired into our Western brains from early on. From the Semitic languages of our Abrahamic scriptures, Biblical Hebrew, Aramaic, which Jesus spoke, and Arabic, a much different worldview arises. Time is not linear and our existence is not outside of it. Our beginnings go ahead, carrying us along. Our futures follow behind, also moving with us. We can best here imagine a caravan in which we're included. Some people have left first and are ahead of us, and some are behind us. If you're familiar with the rules of the road, you will recognize um, a, a part of it that is very similar in terms of people being behind and people being ahead and people being in the middle. Creation is not a one-time thing, but exists in the ever-moving, ever-beginning present. Everything and all possibilities are included in this sacred unity. So that is a very different way of observing reality than we are we have learned here in the West. And um, it has much to teach us about the times that we are in and the events that we are enduring. So this idea of everything included in sacred unity is challenging to Western thinkers whose very name for the Holy One is God, a name derived from a Germanic word meaning good. Goodness, of course, does not include everything, and it particularly does not include anything we have chosen to define as evil. The case for speakers of Aramaic is other. 
For in this worldview, there is one substance, and this substance is sacred substance. The Holy One's presence is everything and everywhere. And this means that anything is possible at any time. With the Aramaic understanding of unity, John 1 verse 5, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, becomes. First consciousness shined with unconsciousness. Light shines with the darkness. Knowing will shine with unknowing. And one has not and will not overcome the other. In the West, we observe the happenings of our time from the dual perspective of our culture. This dual perspective shapes all our communications, all our attempts at problem solving. And I wonder whether the current turmoil that we are experiencing could be evidence not of our failure to love God and our neighbor, but of our response to following this commandment. Perhaps our challenge is to move forward toward, toward solutions is evident that we are actively attempting to conform to divine intention at the various levels of our understanding. We can see our cleavages clearly, and we can see the opportunity to find our way beyond them with the world beyond the worldview of separateness. And this, in my opinion, is the heart at the heart of the new beginning that we are forging. In the world viewed from soul, we seek to move away from separateness, to move toward experiencing life from within the heart of love that holds all things in, in wholeness. We come to live more comfortably in paradox, functioning in the worldview of daily life, and knowing the reality of the unity within. Replacing definitions of good and evil are concepts of right and ripeness and unrightness in the Aramaic scriptures. The teaching in Matthew, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Is We have in Aramaic is, A ripe tree brings forth ripe fruit. An unripe tree brings forth unripe fruit. So the Aramaic understanding there is for humanity no permanent external standard of goodness or of evil, but that the role of time and place, setting and circumstance in the ripeness or unripeness expression of the wholeness within. With this in mind, let's look at the task facing humanity as it prepares for the new beginning. This is the great return to earth, which has been planned for the spiritual hierarchy to walk again openly among men. It calls for a fuller expression of the spiritual will to good than ever before and the cooperation of humanity. The will aspect of divinity can find expression only through humanity. 
And in this understanding, we may find a deeper understanding of the commandments to love God and our neighbor and the importance of them as we work them out in our daily living and in our understanding of unity. The spiritual will to good or will to love that Jesus invoked when he said, thy will be done in Gethsemane, has a meaning far greater than his consent to death of the physical body. In the Aramaic, the word will carries the energy not only of will, but also of delight and desire. Its roots point to something that swells or rises, follows a certain harmony, and moves like a large crowd or a host of stars. This force unites wave and particle realities. It exemplifies the harmony of the cosmic spheres, which move in their appointed courses simply because it is their deepest purpose and delight to do so. We not, might not even call this a type of love, except that it expresses the deepest calling of our being when we are in tune with the cosmos. When Yeshua says, thy will be done in Gethsemane, he asks that this power of desire support him. Other ways this phrase, thy will be done, can be heard as. Let your delight be, your desire be, your whole unfolding harmony be and move through me as individual as a moment of pleasure, as cosmic as my place in the stars. The cooperation of humanity in the new beginning is the establishment of right human relations, where there has been materialism, separateness, and selfishness. There will be qualities of soul, spiritual understanding, inclusiveness, and love. These are the qualities that express harmlessness, which is at the center of right human relations. Scripture tells us to love one another, and this love is unconditional goodwill moving from inside out. And yet we are also told to love our enemies, those who words and act- whose words and actions are excessive, swelling outward from an inner lack. The Aramaic provides what we might take as good advice as we seek to love our enemies. Kindle feeling slowly for that which feels excessive, out of proportion with your rhythm. Let the germ of love break gradually through the shells of pride that separate you from another, you from another, yourself. The husks become kindling for a fire of new birth in which two become one, knowing the one behind all. Realizing the unity of creation, recognizing that we are in the midst of a new telling of the creation story and our role in founding it is essential, means that if done properly 
and by enough people, life on all levels will change and change now. For truly today we are participating in the beginning as Aramaic ears would hear, in the beginningness, in the time before time begins, in the rest before movement begins, in the space where nothing but a loem is, was, and will be. It all unfolds and moves, like the wings of a bird taking flight, like a spark turning to flame spreading to fire in all directions. From this center, everything travels toward its purpose, somehow moving together and at each with its own kernel of destiny, known only to the Holy One. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for that, Catherine. That was just truly beautiful. And I suspect that what the group, what we would appreciate is if we just have a moment of quiet as we relate to those words and that idea, this new understanding of in the beginning. So let's just pause for a moment and then we will open up the discussion. Catherine, the, I was so grateful to have a chance to have a little look at um, at this piece just before the webinar began. And one of the things that most struck me is, is this perception of the will and of the good, of light and dark, um, but particularly this perception of the will in relation to delight. And so I was very pleased to see Isabel Kung um, in the chat wrote um, how she was so touched by your emphasizing the Aramaic meaning of will, desire, delight, and the way in which you related it to communion with the cosmos. Thank you for this important message. There's a lot to unpack in that. Well, there is. And um, I just would like to say something to people who have the transcript that we posted. The um, reference to that particular part, the discussion of the will, is actually in the book, The Hidden Gospel. So if you were to go looking for it, that's where you needed to find, would need to find it. But Steve, I think as we... Um, as humanity um, goes forward in, in our role in expressing uh, the spiritual will, the will to good becomes more central to what is unfolding in our time. This Aramaic understanding um, of will that has nothing to do with your way or my way, mm-hmm. that's how we think of it. We think of it as, well, it's either going to be my will or your will. Mm. 
and uh, in in the um, the non dual uh, recognition that the most sacred expression that's available to us is unity, then will is is cooperation. It's it is um, delight and desire, which which you really don't have sitting in your own room, looking at reruns on Netflix. <laughs> so, it it is in relationship. It's in community. It is in the reality that we lost when we were trained in how to recognize the difference of things and not how to recognize their likeness. Sure. You know, I haven't watched Sesame Place in, Sesame Street in a long time, but I wonder if now these children are being asked to find how is one of these things like all the others? <laughs> <laughs> What's, what, what strikes me is so beautiful about this is that it really shifts our attention to the essence Um the essence of life, so the essence of any experience. And essence is associated with delight, with joy. Um, and it's as if you said earlier, there's a comment you made about how perhaps um, like we're becoming aware of our separateness and we're aware that we have to overcome it. We have to overcome duality um, and we have to deal with it. And so that's magnificent, of course, as a, as this whole process unfolds. Um, but within that, we're being forced to sort of listen and move away from all the conflicting ideas so that we can touch again the essence and simplicity and purity and to see that as will changes it 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 it, it it's, has such a radical transformation of our understanding of of will and the ageless wisdom understanding of the first ray um, and 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 the ability through that great energy of will to see the whole in its wholeness of an idea mm -hmm. rather than the divided up pieces to see mm -hmm. the whole of idea and to be present to that wholeness. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Steve, it's, it's one of the challenges that we face as we move into what is becoming and um, face what we're bringing with us. <laughs> Exactly. Another way of looking at that, to my mind, is really to recognize that as we face that, this new intuitive beingness is finding a presence in human consciousness, um, an intelligent presence, which I don't think it's ever had before. Uh, and that's sort of stunning to me. That's... Um, and the more we see that and then start looking for it in our neighbors, in, you know, in all of our relationships, 
we will find that we actually, by noticing it, we evoke it. Mm-hmm. That's and, uh, yes. Yeah. So let's um, let's move Catherine to see um, would it, if anyone would like to raise their hands. We have it's nice. We have fifteen minutes. That's a good time um, for discussion. Um, let me. I have to switch my. God, I've now got to enter into this world of computers and things. Well, while you're entering, I, I would like <laughs> to emphasize that um, the I have just discovered a, a new word for the divine, for God, that I think is just perfect, and it's Elohim. Mm-hmm. And Elohim means sacred unity, and it is a plural noun. So, like at the end of the the last um, uh, quote from um, from the uh, Genesis meditations, everything travels toward its purpose, somehow moving together and yet eat with each with its own kernel of destiny known only, only to the Holy One. Mm-hmm. And that, that need to, to, to hold both mm-hmm. aspects of reality and not choose one over the other is compelling. So That's beautiful. To see those two... Um, as one requires lifting up to look from the perspective of something so of the whole really really yes it's the only way and yet we human beings are starting to develop that facility i mean there's always been a few obviously there have always been these small little centers of light and small communities that have been able to enter into this reality. But now it's as if those centers of light are being opened up. And a part of that is is that it's becoming accessible to more minds to move into this awareness, to, to move into an ability to think from the perspective of this presence and this where diversity and um, plural stands in right relationship with unity. Mm-hmm. The, uh, there's a little question that I'm intrigued because I don't know any, I don't even know um, where the question comes from. Bob LaMonica, thanks, Bob. Bob asks, why did Jesus with the fig tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a wonderful question because I was thinking about it last night. Wow. Um, and I, 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 and I, I just related it to my mind. I'm really not a theological scholar, but to the, the notion of rightness and unrightness. And that um, unripeness is 
is what we would call, which is is a translated of evil, but um, it it just means it's not the right time and it's not the right place. Mm-hmm. And so for the fig tree, the fig tree was not ripe. It was not producing, and so it it could uh, it could be withered. <laughs> and if you really understand that you cannot take life, you can, you know, it's, it, it's not like, like death is forever, you know, it's just a different part of life. So those were my kinds of thoughts, but yeah. I think it's a wonderful question. And I would love anybody else to, um, um, to, you know, to comment on that. Yeah, so if anyone has, raise your hands if you have a thought. And also just that whole, because it's such a rich way of thinking about ripeness and unripeness. And it, um, and it really does change because unripeness is in process of becoming ripe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, Bob, Bob wants, so Bob, if you would um, unmute yourself, please. How's that? That's brilliant. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> um, I think it's a very provocative entry in the Bible. My opinion of the Bible is that it's a story. Um, I'm, I don't believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Uh, he may well have been a wise guy on the level of Socrates, uh, and uh, that's as far as I go with it. But what the what the withering of the fig tree says to me uh, is that uh, Jesus was um, a human being uh, who uh, had power in the fable. So it becomes like a story, like one of the stories out of the Odyssey. To me, it's, it, it points out the delusionary nature of, of the Gospels. Mm. What do you think about that idea of ripeness and unripeness? I think it's an escape from dealing with the reality of whether or not Jesus was divine. (laughs) That's the question that I think it provokes to me. Why did Jesus wither the fig tree? Because he was a effing a-hole. Okay. That's one response to that. You know why? If he's such a wise guy and son of God, he would have known the tree wasn't bearing fruit. So it was petty. He had to show his power. You know, I mean, I, I, to okay, me, okay. it shows, I, I'm all for, you know, growth, you know, but I think in the final analysis, to me at least, and others that I've even heard through um, the um, seminars, through the triangle meetings, the only true religion is one that you develop for yourself. You can pick up cues, you can pick up metaphors, uh, but nobody can do that dance but you. Right. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's the authenticity of the spiritual path, don't you think, Catherine, that this is also the beauty of freedom that we... I, yeah, com- completely. I mean, how, how many times do we read, don't accept anything except yeah. if it's true in your own experience? Okay. And I, and I, that is really uh, foundational for me in, um, in the work that we're doing and that I'm doing. Um, Oh, the whole thing with Elohim too. That's one of those 
<clears throat> buzzwords. I remember hearing, I'm, I'm in my 70s, but I might, must have heard that word um, 50 years ago, okay? <laughs> As a way to kind of normalize the Bible, right? Bring it up to date. And that's what we do. We retool our religions to bring them up to date. I've read Alice Bailey, um, I think a, a treatise on one of them, uh, on the solar system. I can't think of the title exactly, where she really, in the 1930s, is talking with rather racist tones about the Anglo-Saxon race and other races and the duties of the races, you know. So we're all a product of our times and we, and religion is so essential to us. Religion is with us in the 21st century. It's never gonna go away. Uh, and uh, they survive because of retooling, but the danger is political. Right. The danger is Donald Trump holding up a Bible uh, in Lafayette Square in front of the Episcopal Church. That's a danger. Right. Well, these things, these things are happening in all parts of the world, and you're right. They are. Um, everything's coming to the surface. That look, there's a um, comment by Nathaniel Borgen. Um, that's interesting. And Nathaniel asks to relate how, in the beginning, in Genesis, is relating related to in the beginning in the Gospel of John. Catherine, have you got any thoughts about that? Oh, well, that was one of the things that I that I thought didn't, you know, couldn't talk forever about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yes, I have to get my thoughts together for a minute because um, be I'm sorry, my mind is just not going don't worry what but uh, look while you think about that let's um let's hear from Tara who who has her hand raised and who knows something might occur so Tara hi. if you want to lower your hand hi hi so I was um I'm trying to to um to raise the raise the um, lower lives, like I think we're all supposed to be doing. And I, I had this epiphany um, the other day as I was walking. And um, I believe that we have to fast a lot uh, to do that because you want the plants to feel safer, the lesser lives. And I was having a really hard time because I deal with these. I have a hard time dealing with um, the evil in the world. And I have read in Hindu um, scriptures that you know, it's all a reincarnation and, and I think our, our, our books as well, that the lower lives, the plants and the minerals, they, they were all us in some way, shape or form before. And so it like, you know, I'm trying to raise these plants and I care about these plants. I want them to feel safe, which can, you know, raise, raise hell, you know, raise the loss of lives. So everybody gets healthier, you know, and but I'm holding this grudge against these people that I don't like, these evil people that are doing evil things. But I've forgiven the plants and I want them to do good, but they're, they used to be, I mean, in how I kind of was looking at it is they were the same, they were doing the same thing because they got, you know, um, they fell from being a human into being either a plant or a mineral or, you know, and so, it's like, well, I'll forgive the plants, but I won't forgive these other 
these humans right now because you know I'm, I'm biased I'm feeling it right now and so it was this really beautiful thought like you know you have to it's all the same we're all one and no matter where we we are on this scale you know we could all fall down and and you know become you know this this lesser life and it was just you know I gotta let go of the the grudges I hold if I want to be successful in in raising the lesser lives which are you know lesser lives are things that have yeah any anyway yeah so that's thank what I I wanted to say thank you thank you so much for that Tara I I really appreciate that because it's bringing into this conversation um, not just the human but all of the worlds of the kingdoms which fit beautifully into everything you said Catherine about the um, in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, I could probably, I don't know, we could study it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I just opened um, another book that I had been reading. Um, and it it talks about, it contrasts in the beginning as it was, as it is used in Genesis and in the beginning, as it's used in John. And it says, this is Neil Douglas Klotz's opinion, based on the, based on the language used that the roots of both words, both in the beginnings, point to the origin of all existence as an outpouring of light and fire. An ongoing outpouring of light and fire. So he said the conversation is always going on. Past, present, and future exist simultaneously from the ancient Semitic language viewpoint. Wow, that's beautiful. And we've had, and each of us is challenged to find our place within that ongoing never-ending rightness and unrightness. Isn't that the beauty of it, Steve? Absolutely. It, absolutely. It's, I see in the chat there's a, um, a comment from the Trust from Lucis saying, just quoting how the new yoga. Oh, did we lose you, Steve? I can't hear Steve anymore. The new yoga will be brought out in the disciples' own experience. Well, of of course, that's um, the yoga of the will. It has to be. I think we've lost Steve altogether. I don't know if there's someone else that if we've lost all of Lucy's trust or hi Catherine this is Catherine. oh hi Kathy yes uh, so maybe we'll just take this moment to thank you so much for your presentation and your sharing with the group and we'll just close the meeting now. It's four, it's exactly four. So it's a good time to close. 
And we'll just close by visualizing the planet surrounded by a network of triangles. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. I'm I'm back. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, back, Steve. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Bye. Bye.